Pen It Down Radio is coming to you live from the Hawaiian Islands, coming from the perspective of complete freedom, coming from wisdom outside the system, and then some. This is the mouthpiece of the natural earth forgotten. At this point in time, humanity's been kept from the truth, so Pen It Down Radio offers the coordinates to a path out. You're searching for something whole Cause what you see real life You're watching this world unfold The truth beneath the lies Rekindling what's been stole The need to free one's mind Uncover the truth exposed So people see the light Let's shut it down so we can know It's simple, we just break it down a little bit So we can process all Make the switch to elevate yourself to conscious mode And it's beneficial so we can get this kind of growth And get the future we just wanna stop the whole thing But the message is this really we can start a post Taking in the simulator and getting lots of numbers Waking up the buffer to try to stop hypnosis Welcome to Chan It Down Radio Where we deprogram from the deep program This is episode 192 ChanItDownRadio.com is the website I'm your host Loomis And this is the Beyond Earth mini-series part 20 Where we cover ufology and outer world phenomena and with as much varied topics on reality as i discuss on this show one thing that i always come back to is the big picture of how we fit into the universe with all of the crazy events swirling around us in recent years from false flag events covid19 scares of a world war i keep being directed by a small voice that keeps telling me things like keep your eye to the skies keep looking at this picture and so i have and throughout the pandemic, I gave you episodes in this series as well. And with my recent UFO sightings, I can't ignore this world even for a little bit. Then Neil Gore reached out to me, and I continue to trust this direction into the bigger world that surrounds us. Neil Gore is a researcher who went down the rabbit hole in many subjects from true world history, ancient structures, UFO disclosure, alien life to consciousness, sound work, breath work, and quantum reality. He is a host of conferences and webinars with top speakers in this field at portal2ascension.org with a mission to raise the vibration of humanity by sharing essential truths about our past and present, as well as a poet and freestyle rapper, much like myself, down the rabbit hole to chase the mystery, ancient texts and ancient history, uncovering truth to break conditioning, self-discovery, and the great ascensioning. Welcome to Channel Down Radio, Neil Gore. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you having me. Well. Well, appreciate having you on and happy to discuss all this crazy world and Seriously. make some sense of that out of it. So I guess, yep. um, how did you come into this information? What, what led you down your path? I always like to ask people that what led you into being a truth seeker and the lore of uh, a bigger world? Yeah, definitely. Well, so I was born in England. I was born and raised in England until I was 12. So half of my childhood in England. And I was actually born into a Hindu family. So because I'm Indian, North Indian, Punjabi, and my parents, you know, follow the Hindu rituals. So I pretty much did all the rituals that I was told to do as a child. I would even sing hymns and bhajans, what I called bhajans in temple and stuff. But then I never really truly had any like firm belief on what I was doing and the reason why I was doing it. So when I came to California at age 12, you know, I went to high school, I started writing poetry at age 16 and my poetry was like, you know, reflecting on like um, corruption in the world, things like that. But it really wasn't hardcore into any of the spiritual awareness yet at this point. So when I graduated high school in 2000 at age 18, 
I actually went to um, Calcio Fullerton here in Southern, down Southern California, and I was writing spoken word poetry at this point. So if my spoken word had all types of elements in it, like sci-fi stuff, um, different planets. I, I made a short story on like different genders coming from different planets and, and hybridizing together. And I still wasn't into any of this awareness. I started researching, you know, the things that I was actually writing about on the internet. And as I was researching it, I was also very curious about like religion in general, because being a Hindu kid born in England, I was like, I was already raised with Christianity. I celebrated Christmas every year. And most Hindus like aren't closed off to the existence of other religions. And if they don't even think about it, like there is no way to convert to Hinduism. And the reason why is because in the Hindu text, it literally says there are many pathways to the same destination. That's from the Rig Veda. And that quote is the reason why there is no actual conversion. So what that means is all these different paths, all these religions come on the planet at specific times for different cultures, because that's what they need to basically um, understand who they truly are and their connection to the cosmos. Right. So since I had this understanding that wasn't like um, biased in regards to my way is the only way to God, I was curious to know like what the root of everything was. So my first question that came to my mind at age 18 was what is the root of all religion? Right. And as I was, so I was, I was researching my spoken word, I was wondering what the root of all religion was. And then I stumbled onto four different people that started my like rabbit hole exploration. And that was William Henry, um, Nassim Haramain, Jordan Maxwell and Jim self. And, if anybody knows about those guys, like their topics in general are different from each other, but really all aspects of the full circle awareness. So that was kind of my introduction to it all. And then from there, I just went down the rabbit hole. It started with the Sumerian scriptures. I read the Sumerian tablets of creation and then connected that to Hinduism and started even going deeper beyond that. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I think it's always good to get your truth from a, from a eclectic uh a collecting assortment of, of sources. So you yes, can seriously. fill in so many different little, little gaps and sometimes they overlap and sometimes mm -hmm. they're totally different. And you're like, where do I put that in the puzzle? But I love being able to, to reach from all these different strands and be able to put them together. And that, that was also part of my awakening too. Um, some yes. of those people you mentioned, uh, Jordan Maxwell definitely played a role in mine and, and William Henry, I haven't, dug deep into his work but isn't he on ancient aliens too yeah and yeah. i work um really um deeply with william henry he was we just did an event two days ago called ancient egypt and the extraterrestrial connection he spoke on that but yeah he's so i've done a lot of things with him but he's uh, what he calls an investigative mythologist so he looks into ancient mythology and dissects if there's any truth behind it yeah that's good and well that kind of goes into what i want to roll into a little bit here if we can um I'm going to be going to Egypt for the first time soon. Nice. Um, so I'm, I've always been fascinated with ancient history and I too have read the Sumerian texts and a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, amazing things that are in our past that are staring us right in the face that are telling us we have a whole different history than what we thought we did. So yeah. I thought maybe, um, we could kind of go into a little bit of the ancient past and if we could put together a timeline uh of our ancient past mm -hmm. uh, you know a brief summation 
there was an ancient high civilization run by these Anunnaki extraterrestrials. They put together these amazing megalithic structures, high technology was involved, possibly Mm -hmm. other entities here as well. And it it is debatable whether some of these structures are pre or post cataclysm. Uh, Either way, Earth had a cataclysm or two. Atlantis and Lumeria were taken out. And then Earth repopulated, and Sumeria being the center point in which these Anunnaki seem to be, and civilization that popped up out of nowhere, some say about 400, 400 or 4,500 years ago or 6,000, uh, depends. And it's completely advanced, like in, insanely advanced for what uh, mainstream archaeology would say. But then you have the, the ancient Indus Valley cropping up, yeah. Egypt, and maybe China as well. Overlapping. Yeah, right? As well mm-hmm. as gold mines in Southern Africa, Adam's yep, yep. calendar, the work of, of uh, Michael, Michael Telger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where, where, where the, these gods with a little G lived amongst us. They, they lived in these places according to these, these texts. Maybe there was a great flood, another reset uh, yeah. that left their hybrids in charge. And here we are today with a history that few understand that's been covered up. And is, is that, pretty much the way you see it too and is that something we can build off of yeah so i definitely um see uh, resonate with like almost everything you said there if not everything and in regards to um atlantis and lemuria it seems like from a lot of scholars and researchers is that they actually well atlantis most likely existed for thousands of years and even though we have a yuga cycle where we have a twenty-six thousand year cycle of an evolution of consciousness and devolution of consciousness where we're you know ascending and descending constantly having this like reset of society that might happen every thirteen thousand years or even sometimes maybe only twenty six thousand years but definitely thirteen thousand years ago it's been conventionally proven that there was some sort of cataclysm on the planet because we see this layer of um basically this like ash layer all over the planet that shows either there was an asteroid or there was a mass volcanoes that went off so this is pretty much proven um it looks like atlantis fell in three different stages and as it was actually going on its way way out it wasn't like there was a bunch of people on the um on the continent and then they sank to the ocean they had no choice but to just go down with it there were some that actually stayed with the continent but a lot of them went out to the rest of the world and started disseminating their information like you were touching on here and and basically seeding other civilizations but because there was a reset a lot of technology a lot of things were wiped out that a lot of them had to start from the beginning and it seems that because we see Babylon, they say Babylon is the cradle civilization. Well, not Babylon. Babylon came later. But Mesopotamia and the Sumerians. And then there was actually a period of time because the Sumerians lost power and then they regained power again. So there was a, another civilization that also existed in that area. And But if we look at Egypt and now the true timeline of Egypt, we're now proving through geological studies like Robert Schock is showing and other ones that the Sphinx is at least um, 11,000 years or 13,000 years old, which makes ancient Egypt, which is actually Kemet, because Egypt was a name given by the Greeks. Ancient Egypt is actually at least 11,900 BC in existence, which would make it that that was the cradle of the reset with all the information. And there's evidence to suggest, like we showed in our Samaria conference last month, that some of the texts from Egypt and information actually went to Mesopotamia, and that could have been what was utilized to seed that civilization. And we have the star being extraterrestrial connection in Egypt as well. Yeah, so so you would, would you say that the pyramids and um, 
the Sphinx might be older than all of ancient Mesopotamia? Yeah, I definitely think they are because so I just, so the conference we did a month ago was a nine hour conference, Andrew Collins, William Henry, bunch of other people on going deep into the Sumerian stuff. Right. And because the Sumerian scriptures were what I originally got into, I wanted to do a whole conference on Mesopotamia and Sumer over the last 10,000 years. So all of us did um, something different in regards to bringing that aspect out there. And from that, and from my own research, cause I did a presentation on Gilgamesh. I really do subscribe to that, you know, the Mesopotamian culture was in its heyday around 5,000, 6,000 years ago. And there is um, evidence of, you know, carbon dating evidence to suggest that things are happening then too. But we can now, I think Robert Schock's information and the stuff coming out of Egypt is pretty much proving that some of the structures in Egypt are at least 10 to 12, 13,000 years old. Um, Brian Forrester, for example, went into the Red Pyramid and um, there's this explosion mark on the Red Pyramid. And from his research, he's estimating that around 12,000 years ago that there was an explosion and the pyramids overpowered. And that goes in alignment when, when we started devolving from consciousness from the Golden Age and down into the, the Silver Age, right? So it looks like that maybe the pyramids were created as a worldwide pyramid culture to create a grid work utilizing the Earth's natural energy on the ley lines in order to keep us at a certain level of consciousness. But then when we started devolving, it became inevitable that we couldn't sustain that energy. We had to go down in consciousness. It was like meant to be. And as that happened, the pyramids overpowered and they went offline, but the information was still there, which is why Alexander the great created the library of Alexandria in Egypt because they took all of that information from the mystery schools that was hidden for so long. And then the Greek philosophers started researching it and all the research that they got from it is basically all the mathematics that we utilize today to build society and civilization. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we're using these same, so these same, and I, I'm wondering like how many different species are, entities were involved in our creation because i yeah. believe there are multiple i believe we live in a populated universe so i'm it's wondering true. like how many different strands because you hear these different like um you hear these different these different theories that some people say the the reptilians uh yeah. came in and then but they don't we don't look anything like reptilians so the anunnaki's look like humans maybe but do you have also these these uh, elongated skulls we have in our in our um, fossil record that people are just you know our mainstream archaeology is just throwing out they weren't cradle boarded you know their suture marks are different and everything so we have all these different um, ways like it's I, I don't even know if you know the answer to all this either but like just to think that how many different pe beings seeded are the human yeah. race and and when do you think these these gods with a little g left our civilization either went in hiding or went back home or you know when do you think they kind of stopped being part of our, our civilization and left behind just us humans yeah that's so your thoughts there are exactly what my thoughts were in the beginning of like getting into all of this stuff and continuing so i've been on the exploration of it cool. which is there's so many stories of the seeding of Earth. Um, there's the story of the Lyrans. There's the story of the Pleiadians. There's the story of the Anunnaki. Um, there's the Lemurian story and the Martians and the Maldek people that came to Earth. All of them seem to 
Um, some of them seem to maybe even be overlapping in times. So yeah. I was wondering, is it the same story with different names of beings or did it happen multiple times in a different way a little bit? So I'm leaning towards it happened multiple times and there's multiple resets. But a lot of these stories of these beings that were incarnated here may have not been homo sapien, but maybe have been another hominoid. So for example, um, supposedly, well, let's talk about the reptilians first. There are a couple of different um, ways to look at this. Either there was no actual reptilian race interacting with us, but because the serpent was a representation of the Kundalini, also a representation of wisdom, um, that that became demonized and then the reptilian energy came out of that, or reptilian um, serpentine beings incarnated here into human form, but the souls were actually of reptilian origin, right? And then we have the shapeshifter thing where reptilians are actually on earth and they're shapeshifting. What I think is happening is that a lot of beings actually incarnated and escaped the Orion Wars and incarnated onto earth and they were reptilian, but we got to first uh, let it be known that it wasn't reptilians against humans in the Orion Wars. It was reptilians and humans negatively polarized against reptilians and humans positively polarized. It wasn't like all the reptilians were negative. There's two types of reptilians. There's the serpentine and then there's reptilian beings. So when we look at ancient texts and we see a, a reptile type being like Vishnu, for example, he has like eight snakes behind him. The Nagas in the Hindu texts, um, Lakshman, brother of Rama in the Hindu epic of their Bible was literally a reptilian incarnated into a human body. That was the whole story of it. And he came down to help earth, right? So when we say the word reptilian, a lot of people give it a negative connotation. But if you really look at these texts, there's actually looks like this positive ones and negative ones. And so I'm going to continue on that tip real quick that it looks like when we first got seeded into this galaxy, right? And a lot of people, researchers, channelers, and beyond say that the Lyran constellation was the first seeding of humanity. The hominoids basically came through there. There was a, a founder group, a founder race within the black hole in the void of the center of the galaxy. This founder race wanted to do what all types of sentient beings want to do, create something in their image. They came out of the, um, the center of the galaxy. They went into the constellation of Lyra. They personified in human form and started fractalizing out. And as they were doing that, there weren't any humanoids, hominoids in that galaxy at the time. It was all reptilian galaxy, dragon beings, serpentine beings, all types of reptilians. They weren't all bad, they weren't all good. Humans started fractalizing out, going into all types of constellations over millennia, millennia, uh, Sirius, Pleiades, Arcturus, all the way eventually to earth. And as we did that, we started engaging and interacting with different beings and hybridizing with them, human, uh, reptilian hybrids and that's where the drama basically began so that was the first seeding of humanity was actually by three races that came down to earth the lyran race the syrian race and the pleiadian race all worked together in order to create a hybridization of humanity of us on this planet but when we say that we got to be careful because in the pleiades there's hundreds probably hundreds of races the syrians is hundreds of races so there was a specific tribe that came from that constellation that had some sort of effect on earth that's just one of the stories and of course we have the anunnaki story as well which is seems completely different you know right right i i'm seeing i've heard <clears throat> so you get the story of enlil and anki in the sumerian tablets and mm -hmm. Enki is often referred to as the geneticist, and he took um, the DNA from some kind of hominid hominoid here, and yeah. then they created 
human race with many trials and errors and all that. Uh-huh. Now, then there's a lot of, then there's, there's, there's the thought that there's, there's Lucifer is Anki or another word they say is EA, Ea, which is yeah. like the same as EA video games, which is funny enough, but um, there's a sect of Satanism that believes that uh, Anki was Lucifer or one of the same. So they actually believe that Anki is their God. And then, but then you also have, it's confusing because you also have Anki often referred to as kind of a fish being coming out of the water. So, but he would have scaly skin. So it's very, it's very confusing, but I thought I'd just bring in that point because I feel like a lot of people think that maybe that's where the reptile reptile comes in with Anki maybe and Enlil and Anki maybe were two different factions possibly. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that could be the case that there were two different factions and basically one had, um, you know, when you look at Zachariah Sitchin's original translation, and a lot of people have come to this conclusion now too, that there isn't enough evidence to suggest we're a slave race and that it was being done um, in a malicious way that maybe you know, one just had, they had just two separate agendas for, you know, basically the same type of thing that we do with animals right now, right? We're not per se evil, but we utilize them for certain things, including horses, right? Until we became sentient. So the only thing with that story is uh, with Anunnaki, there were actually two tiers of gods, right? Well, lowercase g gods from Nibiru. So first talk about Nibiru is that some actually believe that Nibiru isn't exactly a planet, but is maybe a second sun that's rotating around our sun, a binary star, but it's a, it's a red dwarf that's actually a stargate to go to another solar system. Oh, that wow. the Anunnaki might not even be from the solar system, but that's the binary star that goes to it. So they utilized it to basically go in and out of this dimension, if you will. So when um, the two tiers of God, there were the Anunnaki and the Ajiji. So right. the Ajiji or the Igigi were on earth at that time and they were the workers, right? But they weren't like they weren't like slaves to the Anunnaki. They were just not as spiritually advanced or had as many powers, right? As the Anunnaki did. So the Anunnaki were the ones in the heavens, the Ajiji, the ones down here doing the work. The Ajiji basically says, Anunnaki, we don't want to do this anymore. Let's figure something else out. And then Enki came and the hybridization program occurred. And then the, the story goes, I think Inanna used clay in order to create humans and birth humans from clay. Whenever we see clay in ancient texts, it's usually got to do with some sort of hybridization and birthing of humanity. And so what then occurred is the Anunnaki left the planet and left the Ajiji on the planet eons later when humans, us, became sentient and aware. So the this is now the Bible story. And it's interesting because the Lyran story is also the Bible story. And this is where it looks like it could be the same. And I'll explain in a second. So we have the, the gods in the heavens. We have the Ajiji, who are the fallen angels left on earth also known as the sons of God. They were the sons of God. And then they started mating with the daughters of men, or maybe that's some sort of hybridization, therefore creating the Nephilim, right? So the, and that's the bloodline story that I first got into in 2001 with Jordan Maxwell is that these Luciferians, Illuminati, Satanists, whatever, claim to have heritage to the original fallen angels, which were the Ajiji. So the 
the one hang up with these individuals that think Enki is their Lucifer is that Enki from the text was an Anunnaki, but the Ajiji by default from all the ancient, the texts that came after it were the sons of God, which were the fallen angels that were left to earth in order to basically um, become the bloodline and all that stuff. So whether they got hijacked and they phased out and now the people in charge are saying that they have heritage to them, but really don't, or if the people in charge really do track their bloodline all the way till modern day times saying that they're from them, that I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I know it's hard to know. I, mm -hmm. I see that they're to me in the way that these elites behave in our society, I feel like they are coming from something well, evil. Yes. But I feel like they're coming from something non-human the way that they treat us like cattle. And of course I know they, they think that they descended from these bloodlines probably, but there's just something about it non-human. And like I was saying in the intro, this whole time since uh, 2020, I've been paying attention. Yeah, I was paying attention to what's going on, but there's something in my heart that told me stay looking up at the skies and stay Look, get into this information all over again because like you i got back i i read all these these writings and stuff early in my my wake up but i kind of needed a, a a refresher course so i went back recently and got into that stuff because um for some reason i'm feeling like since these times are changing so much we are in some pretty crazy times that that uh this this ancient history is going to come back and loop around what, what do you think about that yeah well that's what we have with the cycles of time is that in, right now we're resurrecting old awareness but we're doing it in a way where we're basically creating something new utilizing the awareness of the ancients and i'm sure you've heard of the whole concept of us being on a planet of amnesia meaning that we yeah. we we don't remember our past lives our extraterrestrial lives we don't remember our connection to source we're in this free world i feel source wanted to experience itself infinitely right the ultimate bigger picture that you spoke about earlier and part of the bigger picture was as all these experiences started manifesting what is the best way for source to experience itself infinitely well not only provide the illusion of free will because technically every parallel reality currently exists therefore free will isn't is paradoxical because it's predetermined free will because every parallel reality and time isn't linear right and then have them forget the connection to source so the ultimate purpose of this experience is to experience and for us to have this world where we're going around feeling like we have free will, but not remembering who we are, and then attempting to regain that remembrance. So history definitely goes in cycles um, in regards to levels of consciousness. I used to think like, well, if we were more advanced back in the day, where's the technology? But then I just recently came to the understanding that we're not talking about technology advancement, we're talking about consciousness advancement. And in many levels of con uh, higher consciousness, you don't need certain external technologies. You have it all within you. Right. Plus, if we can barely find something that I think is proven that Atlantis existed, you know, the Basque people, the Berbers, they all have stories of this huge island that their ancestors came from in off the coast. Right. And and so if we can barely find evidence for that, imagine what might have happened 13,000 years before that, 26,000 years before that. All types of civilizations could have existed and completely been wiped from the record. Right. So so I feel that. 
Um, yes, we are definitely going around in a cycle, but this is something new. We're definitely um, bringing down this higher consciousness understanding with the technology that we have right now. But we need to basically reach the consciousness level of the technology that we're creating. Right. Because right now we're in a world that is the, the technology is rising, but the consciousness is going the very opposite. And yeah. so it's kind of like the saying, I think maybe David Icke said it, but um, wisdom and intelligence are definitely two different things. It's intelligent to create a, a nuclear bomb, but it's not intelligent to use one. You need wisdom not to use it. So there, exactly. there, we're not going in a good direction, but how, just to kind of go tre uh, segue into this a little bit, what do you see, where do where do you see us going with disclosure? I, I'm skeptical about this ATIP thing a little bit um, because how come suddenly after 70 years of ridicule, the media is supporting this part of the narrative? And I guess with that, from your research, what are some misinformation roads in the ufology field that are, that are bad narratives put out there that you see from keeping us from ascending to a better understanding? Yeah, well, you got to like if we got to look at the history of how it all manifested, right? So it went and became secret up up until maybe five, six years ago. There was pretty much an embargo against it in regards to ridiculing it in every way possible. That if you saw any TV shows pre six years ago, um, any news shows or uh, late night comedy shows when they talk about ETs, they almost always dress up in some suit or they have do 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 in the background, completely ridicule it. If there's a sighting where they so many people made a call in a certain city and they have no choice because they're a local news station, they will do the sound and the music and everything. Mm -hmm. But then all of a sudden it became serious, right? A few things occurred. Um, the WikiLeaks email came out around the same time um, uh, with um, with Podesta, Edgar Mitchell, Hillary Clinton, Obama, all talking about the UFO stuff, right? That come out already, but there'd already been huge pushes from like the, for example, the citizen hearing on disclosure that happened twice, one in 2001, one, I think 2009 or something like that. So there was a lot of people pushing for this information to come out and it was going pretty viral. Like if you did a Google search and typed in UFO disclosure, Lots of awareness was out there. So then all of a sudden we see Hillary Clinton on Jimmy Kimmel show. And I would say this was kind of one of the milestones um, that shifted a lot of things. And this was when the first time anybody ever said, let's move from UFOs to UAPs. And it was all scripted. It was so like ridiculously scripted. First, presidents or candidates or Congress people don't go on these late night comedy shows, which are parroting shows literally designed just to push agendas without talking about what they're going to talk about beforehand. It's right. all planned, but they do it in a way where they try to pretend that they're not doing that. But if you're aware enough, you can see that they're doing that. So Jimmy Kimmel was like, are you good? What are you going to do about the UFO files? And then, um, then Hillary goes, ah, Jimmy, it's not UFOs anymore. It's UAPs, unidentified aerial phenomena. Boom. Trying to push towards a new branding beginning phases. The last two years was all WikiLeaks emails, right? From her, Podesta, all these people coming out. And then we see like a year later, Tom DeLonge resurrects from his, um, and on his Twitter, he comes out with that panel of ex-CIA, NSA, three-letter agency people. And this is another thing that they do because they think we're stupid. And a lot of people, I guess, really are ignorant to this, is that you cannot be part of a private company while you're still within 
these offices of like um, CIA NSA. How interestingly enough, were all the people, the eight people on the panel behind him on his Twitter feed during the live stream, literally left their jobs two days to two weeks ago. Oh, wow. They're like, oh, I used to be on the NSA. I used to be in NASA. But, you know, when I was there, I really wanted to um, release all this stuff. So I'm, I'm no longer working there. Now I'm working for a private company with Tom DeLong, and we're going to get this out. Why did they choose Tom DeLong? Well, because he has this young look, appeals to the younger crowd. He could get them riled up about this topic, and he'd been interested in it for so long. So they brought him in as what's called a useful idiot, basically, and brought him into the fold uh, where he thought he was really special and started having him release things. But what did they do in that live stream? They basically said that was the first main disclosure besides the fact that documents already existed, right? Uh, like publicly. And the Tom Delong goes, um, this has been happening. I'm going to bring up this Navy, ex-Navy guy. He worked in the Navy two weeks ago. He's now no longer there. And he's going to tell you what they found. And he talks about the Navy incident with the, with the the craft that was above the ship in Oceanside area in San Diego and then shot up really fast and that's not possible. Then they skip over who's driving the vehicles and go directly to the technology, right? They do this whole thing and they don't even talk about the fact that there's extraterrestrials. All they do is talk about the technology and how they're going to try to get the technology, reverse engineer the technology and create an app where people can pinpoint their sites so that they can report to Tom DeLong's agency where these, um, where these sightings are happening so that they can basically triangulate them and try to track them down, right? So I'm going to take a pause here because I got, I can, I'm going to keep going until now. Do you want to make a comment on this before? I keep oh, going? Um, well, yeah, well, that's why I have a hard time with top-down disclosure Yeah, because of, of all these, these three letter agencies, these alphabet soup agencies acting yeah. like that. Oh, they're our friend. And, and I forget the guy's name. I've, uh, he's got the goatee. He's kind of older guy and he, he's coming out like Jeremy Corbell. No, no. Um, uh, he's, he was in the CIA and he's like the main guy bringing it out. Oh, um, Louis Elizondo. Yeah. Elizondo. Yeah. You know, I, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't really trust anybody coming out from these agencies. Me so neither, bro. yeah. Yeah. So that, that's why I don't trust the disclosure thing, but I feel like it's looming in the background for them yeah. to do either some kind of false flag, maybe project blue beam. I, you know, I, I don't really know. But yeah. I've actually personally in my life been, and I don't want to derail what you want to say more, but I, okay, I've well. been personally in my life seeing a lot of UFOs lately in the sky. Yeah. And some seem to be connected to good things and others, I don't know what, I just saw one yesterday and I was, and I was kind of glad that our interview got moved to this day because I wouldn't be able to tell you about it the last time. But mm -hmm. yesterday there was this thing in the sky and, and a lot of people are saying it's some kind of surveillance blimp. It may be, but I focused in on it. It was changing color and it was just stationary yeah. for a really long time. Excuse me. <clears throat> but um, anyway, I feel like they are ramping up things in the sky. They, they are ramping up all this stuff behind the scenes. But I'll, I'll let you continue right. with what you want to say because I, I know you have some points you want to make. So, so after that, right, the Tom DeLong thing happened, they were saying that we want to find this technology and basically see if we can reverse engineer and use it. And we're going to also create a media company and do all these movies and things like that. That was the whole Tom DeLonge thing. Then within the next few months, all the disclosures that Tom DeLonge said started happening. So those two years, every three months or so, um, things started happening. But what was occurring was that they were saying 
that they already had this stuff. Robert Bigelow came out. He was on 60 Minutes saying that definitely alien life exists. Then we find out that Robert Bigelow is in um, possession in Vegas in his, um, uh, this is all mainstream news of some metal that they found on one of these craft. And then the sun comes out with that many technologies have been found, even technologies that, that can help you um, go faster than the speed of light, right? Like that one was huge on the sun. I have a presentation where I have that article on there. But that one was the biggest one for me because that's like, whoa, we can go fast and speed of light. That's going back in time because when you go at the speed of light and when you finally get to the speed of light, you're going at the speed of time. When you go fast in the speed of light, time starts going backwards. You're basically bending space time. So uh, all these things were coming out over two years and Tom DeLong slowly gets phased out. But then a new face is put into place. Two new faces. Lou Elizondo was on the panel with Tom DeLong. Right. He was there in his background, but Jeremy Corbell comes and takes over Tom DeLong's place. Something happened in the back where they wanted to switch over to another person that appealed to younger audiences. They chose Jeremy Corbell. He became the face of it all. Nick Pope became the face of the mainstream as well. But they actually asked Nick Pope to freaking tell people that it's a negative thing and that basically put out this threat agenda. Nick Pope went from just giving mainstream regular factual information to basically making it a threat. And he's on the New York Post YouTube, million, 100 million views, Nick Pope. He's following their agenda completely. So Lou Elizondo then starts raising up and now he becomes the face of disclosure. During this time, this is four years now, I've, I've, this is up to four years. You used to search UFO disclosure I would be on page two. Steve Bassett would be on page one. Stephen Greer would be at like the first place. You know what I mean? All these people were the ones that would, the Grant Cameron would show up. Now type UFO disclosure. And I, I challenge you to find anything besides CNN, MSNBC, all the mainstream outlets. What do they do? They completely hijacked it. Check this out. I do Google analytics for my website and my YouTube. When, and I have tools that show me the rankings of different things. UFO disclosure, if we put UFO disclosure there, it actually lowers my channel's ranking. And in some places where you put um, UFO disclosure on different tags and different platforms, it actually doesn't show up as a tag for you. It's completely been taken over by the mainstream, right? So if you have a UFO video, do not put UFO disclosure in the tags because they'll probably not get ranked at all, right? Wow. So you need to put like other things on there. So like extraterrestrial life, alien life, all those have been taken over too. I constantly search this stuff. So um, basically then they took over the whole thing. Now let me get to the point of Louis Elizondo. He was one of those individuals that just left the Pentagon. And now he was like, oh, the ATIP program, you know, we got to disclose this information. During COVID, a lot of things happened that would have happened during a first contact kind of experience. A lot of institutions and think tanks started getting activated that would also happen during a disclosure situation, including the fact that um, in the COVID relief bill, not last November, but the November before, I think, half of it, the three quarters of it was COVID relief and the other one quarter of it was disclosure of UFO documents, right? So out of all topics that could have been, the UFO documents from Marco Rubio, it was put in there and it was approved by all Congress members because they had already been informed that, you know, Lou Elizondo came out, everybody knew. So they wanted to come out. So we waited until June of last year. Um, there was this huge push. Everybody's like in the community was so excited. 
Um, June of last year, they were going to come out with the UFO files because Congress requested it in the COVID relief bill from the November before. It comes out and there's like eight documents, right? But there was a declassified document, most people don't know, of 144 pages that went to Congress. Within those documents, it had like a 100 something UFO cases. And then they said that like 90% of them were proven wrong, meaning 10% were proven right. But what they didn't tell you, because they wanted the world to know this, is that ATIP, they only chose a period of three years to give you the cases for them. They didn't include the full length of ATIP and they didn't include all the data from the 50s that are already on the NSA's website, the CIA's website, and the FBI's website. Type in UFO CIA, UFO NSA, UFO um, FBI, go straight to their own websites and find the info. So it painted this whole false information by pretending to tell the truth that this wasn't a huge situation because they only chose three years of data and they basically didn't show it to the public, right? Now, just last point here. The whole thing of, do I trust them? No, because it's all militarily involved. They're all talking about the technology. They don't care about who's driving these vehicles. Um, this has a huge component to our galactic ancestry, where we came from, spirituality, um, vibration and frequency. Why don't we see these craft? Well, they vibrate at different frequencies. Well, what does vibration have to do with all? Well, when you shift vibration, you're literally shifting your spiritual bodies into these realms where they exist. They know all this information. They've spoke about it in whistleblowing testimony, right? So, but the reason why the military is involved is one, because they want to make weapons out of it and weaponize space, but two, where have we seen most of the UFO since the 40s? Nuclear bases. Why? Because they don't want us to kill ourselves, destroy ourselves. This goes back to Dolores Cannon's information of as soon as there was the first atomic bomb that went off, there was a call out to the universe and all these ETs started incarnating here and visiting here because they're trying to make sure that not only we don't destroy ourselves, but what happens when you split the atom? You're literally splitting open the dimensions. If we're in this computer program, organic holographic field that we exist within, Imagine blowing up bombs within that and that rippling out to the other realities that we're, we're basically within, right? So, so those are the two reasons why I feel they are basically scared. They want to know what they could do with the technology. And then they also are wondering why we see them at middle military installations. But I don't trust them at all because they're not coming this from this from a spiritual perspective and they're not coming from it from a bigger picture perspective, well, what, did this, what does this mean for humanity and our position in the universe? Right. And they're already lying anyway, because they've been working with these, these crafts for yep. many years. They've been dismantling them at places like Area 51. And, you know, that, that's, and well, that's even a strand that Jerry, Jeremy Corbell does bring in with that. Um, yep. What's his name? Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar, right. But um, basically what it's looking like is there's definitely a strand. Well, I think there's probably multiple strands of disinformation in, in, the, in the ufology field. And, it's, and I've seen it also with um, they're all negative or they're all positive. Both of those, I feel like, yeah. are also bad to follow. Um, I do watch. I don't watch TV. But I do watch Ancient Aliens. I do actually like yeah. that show. There's some good people on there. Maybe not all of them. But I can see where this sort of not so good strain has even infiltrated that show as well. Yes, man. 100% correct. I, I've watched it the whole time. And I saw how it started shifting and to push an agenda. 
Yeah. And then they started doing they started doing whole shows on like for Lou Elizondo and for Tom DeLonge and for the um, the Navy UFO sightings, even though it's ancient aliens, they completely shifted to it. And I almost feel like it was originally created to set a foundation and get people as fans so they can eventually go into their agenda. Like it looks like they had this perfect progression of like like almost like a 10 year long plan of how they're going to get us so invested in it that then they can just stop dropping all types of information and have us believe in their agenda. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. Exactly. Totally. Um, geez, I lost my train of thought. I was going to say something, but, um, well, okay. So I guess I'll move on to some, something else I wanted to say. I'll add to that real quick though, because maybe it'll come back to me. Yeah. yeah, about two years ago, they started two other programs on the History Channel that were also, I forget the name of them now, but those were just specifically like U.S. Navy UFO stuff, right? And that was 100% agenda-oriented. Oriented. It was completely connected to their disclosure from the military side. So to me, that just is more evidence that ancient aliens eventually got hijacked or was from the beginning because it's the same exact channel that it's on you yeah. know the same people own it right i i think there even their symbolism if i'm not mistaken the street channel has some free masonic symbolism in their logo mm-hmm. um not to say all masons are bad but generally when they're in these positions of power then they're at least controlling information i know what i was going to ask you and and i just thought i'd throw it in here um what is your opinion about there's a lot of people there's kind of a line in the alternative community what is your opinion on the moon landings do you think that they were faked but i here i'll tell you what i believe i think that yeah. possibly what they gave us was fake but the but we've land- been on the moon we've been there yeah, yeah we've yeah. Th- but and it's a totally different place than we think it is but yeah. um the the actual footage and the astronauts uh, neil armstrong and buzz aldrin and all that what, what is your opinion on that strand of information yeah so i i know all the different theories and because i'm not i wasn't there i will never say one thing is true or not right so there's definitely the one of like you know they didn't go at all and um we never went to the moon that's one theory but i don't believe in that one per se and then there's the one of that they did the filming of it and they released the film, but they actually went because they knew they were going to find something and they were afraid something might happen. So they wanted to portray something, right? That's another belief. And, and then there's the holographic moon that the moon is like, and so uh, we just did an event with Michael Tellinger yesterday, a three hour event, and he showed videos of the wave pattern of the moon. And it literally was this, like, it was just a telescope of the moon video camera and every now and then, it, there's just little subtle wave that goes oh. across the whole moon. The and lunar wave, zoom, yeah. Yeah, and you zoom in really close to it, and all the craters and everything get displaced for a second as the wave goes over it, right? So did the moon get destroyed, and now they're portraying something in space? So, so I don't really know, but I do know there's a lot of anomalies. For example, the moon is the same size as the sun in, our sp- in, in space to us. That is, that is um, um, proportionally impossible, almost. The fact that the moon is the right size to block out the sun perfectly, you know, whereas no other, no other um, celestial body in a whole solar system or that we've ever observed has the ability to eclipse their sun fully 
with it. But our moon is the perfect size for that. And the moon, our moon is the only celestial body that doesn't rotate on its own axis. It's just staying in one place. Right. right? And yeah. then when NASA sent a TNT bomb there decades ago to kind of test the moon, they, they themselves said it rang like a bell for hours. Right. Ho hollow. So I feel that the moon does exist and it's like a, we're like the Petri dish, but not in a victim way. And there is some sort of like outpost there and it could be holographic with like some hydraulics that when you like um, blow it on it, I mean, when you explode it, it basically, you know, oscillates and reverberates. Um, another anomaly, every crater on the moon is the exact same depth. Oh, oh. so what does that mean? Maybe there's a metal structure with inside the moon and when all the asteroids hit, they can only go a certain depth because of this metal structure that is on it, you know? So I did a whole article on my website called um, evidence. The moon is artificial or artificially placed. That's what mm -hmm. I, <laughs> and it's it breaks down all the anomalies on it because it's just so weird, everything about it. And the fact that we don't take the time to really rationally think about why this is the case yeah. We're just too consumed with living in the rat race and trying to survive to even really ponder on these. Not all of us, but many people. Many people, yeah. And many people don't question what they're seeing. Just like yeah. yesterday when I saw that thing in the sky, I said, hey, to some random person, well, I was walking up a hill just to get a better look and go, hey, do you yeah. see that? I said, oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's okay. They, they didn't like take it in like, wow, that's right. interesting. They went back inside to watch TV or something. You know, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It, the curiosity is not there, but the moon itself, I mean, I've, I've done a whole show on it and I don't, I don't have any more answers than you. I, and then, you know, you have come these people like, um, Crow triple seven, you've probably seen his work on the, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe it's, it is, maybe they're putting up a hologram when we see the moon. So we don't see what's really on it. So we're seeing like uh, a layer of fake the craters are fake and the real moon has like technology that we could probably see yeah. from earth. Yeah. Yeah. Because then you have like some astronauts that even said, like have said that there are things on the moon. Buzz Aldrin has said some things that really put up some red flags about what could be up there. So if that's the case and I, uh, what's his name? Um, secure team on uh, YouTube. Oh, he, yeah. he does uh -huh. a lot of, you know, stuff. He does a lot of stuff on the moon and shows all types of anomalies from images that we've got of like structures, double two-story buildings, things like that. So if the moon is close enough, if someone can get a, a telescope and look at the eye of um, Jupiter's red spot, mm -hmm. you can look at the surface of the moon from your home. And if there are things on the moon, you could see them. The yeah. amateur astronomer could see it. So you, what you just said would make sense. And that would actually fit it all together that possibly the moon does exist, but there's some, this activity going on it. So they need us to see certain things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of reports and they're not provable, but you know, like a yeah. uh, secret space program that people have, you know, been to the moon and it's, and it's, there's like no space left on it because it's being used by extraterrestrials. Right. Then you hear about the, um, the, you hear about uh, NASA people perfectly purposely smudging out moon imagery so we don't see yeah. what's really on there too right and you look at those images and look so silly like it's just like blurred out you know yeah. those little areas yeah mm -hmm. totally well let's talk about ascension a little bit um and i think this is appropriate for nowadays um 
our DNA since man was manipulated by these, these Anunnaki's and has been messed with, we were intervened with to live in civilization. And nowadays the elites are unrelenting with these efforts to dumb us down and social engineer us through the schools, the food and the water, the air, the chemicals, all this indoctrinate us and now continue to mess with our DNA with people getting the mRNA arm spear and the 5G millimeter wave, which breaks our DNA. That's always curious. So obviously they don't want us to ascend higher they are afraid of humanity ascending. Mm -hmm. Do you think there is an event coming? And I made an episode about this as a theory that maybe there is an event coming that will activate our DNA. Are, are they, you know, or upgrade humanity? And that's yeah. why they are in a rush to put up this new world order. So when I first started getting into this 2001 to 2013, I was really much into an event theory, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people were actually, many people that I knew that I worked with were waiting for December 21st, 2012. Right. I literally had not, I create events like a year in advance, but I made no events after December 21st, 2012, just in case we ascended. <laughs> <laughs> That's how freaking much I was into it, right? Right. And then, and, and then that day passed things happened on that day. It's not like nothing happened. Like a lot of energetic shifts occurred more on the subtle level and certain things happened politically around the world that I feel were all in alignment with the energy shifts that are going on. So as, um, so after that date, you know, before that date, I'm not going to say any names, but a lot of presenters were also predicting things in the future. Mass sightings here, big sighting over this time over here, the ETs are going to land over here at this time. Right. And my, even a few of my friends that are presenters went to Chichen Itza on December 21st, 2012, waiting for Quetzalcoatl to land, right? <laughs> no joke, 100% believed it. I was down too. And then I started realizing that the word ascension is paradoxical because the only way you're going to create an ascended reality is by embracing the moment now and stop waiting for something in the future, right? So, and if you can, if we can all collectively be present, we will then ultimately create a world in our future where we will have more of a beautiful utopian kind of existence. So now in regards to an event, what's happening is we have these yuga cycles, right? 26,000 year cycle, um, you know, call it the, the dark ages, the Kali Yuga, the Dwarpa Yuga, the bronze age, the silver age, the Satya Yuga, the golden age, 13,000 years, 13,000 years. We've been at the bottom at the Kali Yuga. Kali Yuga ended in 1700 um, eight, uh, CE but it's 200 years of a transitory phase to the Dwarpa Yuga, which is started in 1900, fully started in 1900. During these shifts, a lot of times in the lower ages, and if you look back at the calendar of the ages, you can see great wars occurred at every single, almost every single downturn. So what happened in 1900, right when we shifted, we had World War I, World War II, huge world wars in this whole century. The age of the Kali Yuga has a few themes to it. The age of delusion, where we all like believe that the delusional world is the reality, well, most of us, the age of hierarchy, where we have give up our, um, where we believe in hierarchical structures, right? You're the cop, you're the king, whatever. And the age of authority, where we give up our power to the authority. The age of the Dwarpa Yuga that we're in right now is the age of individuality, right? The, I, the individual becomes more important. The age of sovereignty 
and the age of ideological communities where society starts breaking down and people start joining communities and uh, societies based on their own belief systems, which leads to the fourth density, fourth uh, density, positive and negative theory of that. Eventually you will just vibrate into different worlds because we'll just be living, you know, around people that we resonate with because people are becoming so split, like completely dual duality is coming to its worst. So when duality gets to its most extreme, we've, we've completed the program, the game we've won. The duality isn't how many people you kill like a few thousand, like a thousand years ago. Duality is how disconnected you are from source. So you're so disconnected that you just live in this two worlds of polar opposites because source is singularity, oneness. So as when we get to the extreme of the duality where we are right now, there's no way to go but up. So in regards to an event, what happens as we're going up and up in consciousness is we just went through the photon belt of our galaxy getting bombarded with cosmic rays. This is all mainstream science too, by the way. Um, I have a presentation called, called Galactic Origins, Dimensions, and Black Holes on my YouTube where I show the science of this. And when we go through the photon belt, so here's the flat plane of the galaxy, right? The milk of the Milky Way galaxy. We For 13,000 years, we were at the bottom of it. Now, for the last couple hundred years, we've been going and we go 200 light years below, 200 light years above. That's the trajectory of Earth. So for the last couple hundred years, we've been going through the photon belt and now we just emerged out of the other side of the galaxy. Well, mainstream science has said that there seems to be some sort of bow shock of cosmic rays bombarding going upwards on our galactic plane. When we're underneath the galactic plane, the milk of the Milky Way galaxy, those bow shocks don't exist. There's a whole bow shock of basically um, imagine like visually seeing the vibration coming off a drum as you hit it, right? That is what is happening. Boom, 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 boom. We've now entered that. So there is all types of galactic weather and things that are happening to our planet now that occurred over the last couple hundred years that wasn't happening for the last 13,000 years. So it has now been proven in my mind scientifically that there are different energies hitting the planet that could affect our consciousness and the way we live whether that's going to result in an actual event, a specific event, or if it's going to be a gradual shift that I don't know, but I do feel certain things are going to happen. Certain systems are going to collapse. And those may be events that are the catalyst for us to have to recreate society in a certain way, you know, mm. such as the monetary system and other things. And yeah. I think that's, what's been happening. You know, we're realizing last couple of years, I hope most people realize that the world is not structured in a way that we can sustain ourselves when things like this occur, right? Besides all the conspiracies behind it, but just the fact that literally this whole thing floored the whole entire world. And then we have authority figures that have the power to completely stop the way we live our lives. I'm hoping more than enough people will wake up to that. And now we will start restructuring society in a way that works for most of us. Because a lot of people think that, you know, there's not enough people that are awake. But the way I look at it is that every time they or something is happens to us, another percentage of people wake up to the truth. So it's just inevitable. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I, I really am positive that it's happening. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, totally. Because so I was awake pre 9-11, just a couple of years. Yeah. And I was lucky that I met someone that helped me. So then I saw a group of people wake up from 9-11. And then I saw groups of people wake up from yep. little little things here and there we had along the way. And then and then COVID just woke a whole new group of people up. 
And it really hit home to people that were, you would call normies even, you know, they're like, well, well, wait a minute, this is going just a little bit too far. And now you do have quite a few people awake to certain levels, you know, and and I, I wish people woke up faster and deeper, but everybody has different starting points. But so do you see though, like they, they're taking advantage of these, these cosmic vibrations coming toward us. So are that, is that why they're trying to uh, inject DNA changing substances into our bodies? So, I mean, that would be complete speculation on my part. Right. So I definitely think like things like fluoride and whatever they've, you know, have been putting away is GMOs, chemicals on, on some, some level or on the main level is designed in order to keep us docile so that we can be, you know, continue working for them. Um, now with, with the whole, um, V situation, it just goes so deep with all the different layers of what is actually occurring to us. And the fact that it did come out, the evidence and the facts came out now that there is actually manipulations and mutations in our DNA from it. Right. So I don't know who the person is behind all of this that is doing it. And if it's completely connected to the negative ET agenda that is doing this to us, but I definitely feel on even whether it's done consciously or unconsciously, it's happening in order to basically keep us at a certain frequency so that we can continue working for them. Right. But then this is my other belief on that is that if you look at Gnostic texts, Gnostic Christianity, Gnostic Egyptian texts, sons of God texts, right. Um, Ancient information that has the story of Lucifer, basically that goes back beyond Christianity and Judaism that goes into like Samaria, Samaria and beyond. You see that, when God basically asked, um, God said, I need the Gnostic text say that God said, I need a volunteer to go down to earth to give him the experience of darkness. And who raised his hand? Lucifer. Lucifer was God's most trusted angel, right? Completely different narrative of what we've been taught within Christianity, that Lucifer basically rebelled against God and came down to earth. So in this situation, it was like the gods, the ETs, whoever, created this world and then asked for volunteers to stay down here to give them that experience of darkness. And if that's the, and then what it goes on to say after that is even in the mainstream Christian Bible, it says this, that God said, when it's time for the return of the kingdom of heaven, you need to willingly give me the keys. So I feel that it's inevitable that even the ones that are, even the dark ones are working for the light. They are one giving us the experience we des- we signed up for, but ultimately when it's time to ascend, they- it's going to be allowed to happen. I don't think there is any, I think the end result is the evolution of consciousness and the de- and, and they are smart enough and aware enough of the cycles of time to know that's going to happen. So I think what is occurring on these levels are just more experiences for us to get the contrast we need so that we can wake them to our true selves. They're just Very playing good. those roles, you know? Very good. Yes. I, mm-hmm. I, I totally agree with you. Um, uh, I've heard you actually, that, that reminds me, I've heard you on an interview talking about um, the Jesus story. Yeah. And um, I think you're right. Um, you were talking about different, different instances of the same story in multiple cultures. So you have Jesus and born to a virgin mother and 
he's you know preaching all these these important elements of society important elements of of love and forgiveness but you yeah. you have that kind of all over the place so it's almost uh, almost some people even say he he was they were just different uh divine extraterrestrials that came and that's possible i who knows but yeah. um what maybe you can elaborate a little more on on that and how they all kind of said the same thing that they will return and and yes you're in that time yeah so that whole thing of the return that's that's the whole prophecy of the ascension of fifth dimension this is where it all comes from is that almost every civilization and every religion and spiritual belief believes that there's going to be a resurrection of their god which is another connection to the jesus story for example krishna and jesus not only do the names sound the same krishna Krishna, right and jesus um and jesus christ and then also in greek we have the christos that was a greek deity um similar story to horus same story as pythagoras even like very very a lot of similarities and so what they all say well, I'll give you just a few examples. Krishna is going to come down when the kingdom of heaven comes down and is basically going to take the uh, the people that are ready to ascend to the next level. Um, what does what does Christianity say? Return of the Christ, right? We hear that that Christ is coming back, that this even the Messiah has been born now. That a lot of evangelists believe that the Messiah has been born now. Great example is all the Christians that were pro-Obama thought he was the return of Jesus. All the Christians that were uh, anti-Obama thought that he was the Antichrist. Right. <laughs> you know, and then and then all the people that supported Trump that were Christians thought so a lot of them thought he was the return, right? Mm -hmm. And then even the Buddhists think that the new Dalai Lama, the new Messiah, is on earth. And even the um Judaism in, in Islam. Jesus existed in both of their faiths, but he was not the son of God and God, like the Christians believe. He was just another prophet and the God, the resurrection of God is happening now. The real return of God is happening now. That was their kind of differentiation of Christianity and their own beliefs, one of the many, really. So, and then it keeps going on and on and on. Yeah. For example, the 2012 theory, which is happening now, Quetzalcoatl will come down, right? The returns of the Mayan gods, all this stuff. So what does this mean? It's basically the return of the Messiah is what it's called talking about. But what I look at it as is, is a metaphor that it's not saying that we're waiting for some external Messiah to come. It's going back to what all of these beings had said to us, which is the kingdom of heaven is within you and you can be the way and the light as well. So it's really a time of the return of the Messiah within resurrection of the Messiah within us. So all these metaphors about this external being coming back, maybe there will be some ET rates, maybe there will be some landings, but I feel that they're saying that we're going to be awakening up to our true selves and able to embody the principles that all these prophets and sages had done in the past. And that is the whole theory of the fifth dimension is us ascending to a, another octave of existence where we become the creator beings and start implementing the, you know, implementing the teachings that all these beings had for us, right? Mm -hmm. Minus all the human made BS that came after it, because don't forget, if you look at their teachings, pure teachings, love thy neighbor, things like that, right? But then you start looking at um, the politicians and people of the times, they start adding their own stuff to it. And then unfortunately, the people that start following the religions follow the whole text, which includes the, the elite, putting their own opinions on it in order to maintain power. Christianity is one of the best examples of that. Yeah. It's like the bumper sticker that says, 
dear Jesus, please save me from all your followers. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I know. So you, you see it a lot. And, and, and it's, and it's, well, it's like religion becomes, becomes tradition and, and routine rather than, than, yes. you know, resurrecting oneself. So this is another theme of the Kali Yuga. The theme of the Kali Yuga is the age of rituals. So what like a great example for this is one of the oldest religions, if not the oldest religion that is still in existence is Hinduism because it tracks back straight to Vedic knowledge and is a continuation of the Vedic times till now. Plus there's a lot of sects, sects in India that still follow the ancient ways around 7,000, 8,000 years ago. Right. So um, within that, I forgot, I lost my train of thought real for a second, if you can remind me where we were. You were you were, you were talking about that um, the 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 we were talking about the routine of religion and the okay and yes Kali Yuga. yes. Yeah. So if you look back at um, the Indus Valley civilization, right, going there now, um, yeah. we can do a whole little segment on that real quick. Sure. But so the Indus Valley civilization coexisted and overlapped with Mesopotamian civilizations, Egypt and Chinese civilizations. It was the cradle civilization all over the planet. There was a lot of trade. Um, there was a lot of sharing of ideas. In, the, in this valley civilization, it seems that the Vedic awareness was probably passed down verbally. There's two theories. Either the Vedic awareness started in this valley civilization, or there was a migration from the steppes of Eurasia, which is current day modern um, North Russia. And these beings brought these gods and Vedic awareness into India into the Indus Valley civilization. The controversy with that is that those proto-Indo-European people were Aryans and white, and the Indians don't believe that the Vedic gods came from the white man, right? And, and um, there's not enough evidence of what actually happened in the Indus Valley civilization to even know what they're doing, because in the Indus Valley civilization, there's no evidence of hierarchy or authority. It seemed like it was a model society based on not having that hierarchy, yeah. right? So to, to get to my point here, the Vedic awareness was passed down verbally. Then it started getting written down like 3000 BC or something like that. Then, it's, then it morphed into Hinduism and a few different religions. And then it continued down into this reality. So let's track that with the cycles of time. We're in basically the Hindu valley, the Hindu um, tracking back to the Vedic age goes back two different ages. The Kali Yuga, it's been within that. It's also been within the Dwarpa Yuga, which is the silver age. I mean, sorry, the Dwarpa Yuga, which is the Bronze Age and the Silver Age. So as we're devolving in consciousness, it went from verbal, maybe even telepathic, um, to um, heart-centered spirituality, meditation, consciousness. And then eventually it entered the Kali Yuga, the age of ritual, hierarchy, and authority. So we see the devolution, if you will, of the Vedic awareness going from something so pure to eventually becoming purely ritualistic. Now, fast forward to modern day Indian Hinduism. It's hundred percent contractual. If you do this, 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 you'll get this from God. If you fast on this day, God will give you this. But how interesting is it that this came from the most advanced spiritual awareness, like a, like a library of consciousness and now has been reduced to rituals and contracts between God. Yeah. Same, same thing again, just people working on, on routine and, and just the normal rigmarole you do just to be part of a society versus the source. Right? Yeah, exactly. So what happens as we ascend is we get to a place where we feel that connection always, and we don't need to like 
go to church every Sunday in order to basically tell the um, priest our sins, things like that. We have a connection and we start embodying those principles in daily life. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And that's where we should be. What are your, what are your opinions on uh, psychedelics and uh, entheogens in connecting to that kind of source? Oh yeah. I'm a huge fan of um, entheogens and psychedelics in general. Mm -hmm. They've helped me in my life. Um, something I didn't add in the story because I, I normally don't is that I did a lot of mushrooms in the beginning too, 2001, 2002. A lot of my poetry came from mushroom journeys okay. and, you know, I've gone down ayahuasca quite a few times. So first of all, these are ancient herbs, plants, and fungi and extractions from animals that have been around for thousands of years and been utilized by the indigenous people to help us um, cure all types of ailments and re reach certain levels of consciousness. So I feel that they were gifted to us by mother nature, by source in order to give us a way to connect to source and have a remembrance. And now what's happening, I'm not sure if you're aware, but in the U S for example, there's a huge move to decriminalize and there's at least, yeah. there's at least 10, maybe even 20 cities that have completely decriminalized all naturally occurring psychedelics. Right. And combo, which isn't a psychedelic. So other ones that are, you know, help you with all types of ailments, but aren't actually psychedelic. And the reason for that is they can no longer deny the benefits of it. They're actually um, one of the main reasons why we're having decriminalization in the U S actually comes from military veterans. That's the, if it wasn't for the military veterans, we wouldn't be as far as we are right now in the U S with MDMA mushrooms, ayahuasca use, and all this stuff is because they were going to city halls and standing there for hours, giving testimony after testimony of how one mushroom journey literally cured them of depression and, and PTSD, yeah. right? So I feel that as we start, continue shifting, Big Pharma starts, is on its way out. Big Pharma is on its way out with the, with the whole psychedelic thing that's going on right now. There's, it's inevitable. A lot of these ailments are going to be cured naturally. There's a there's um, already a stock on the Canadian stock market of a psilocybin company that is creating pills, microdose pills that is about to release their pills within the next two years over the counter in Canada. Wow. Right. So just imagine all the things that people can get healed from, assisted with. Depression pills can be on the way out. Anxiety pills, Xanax. Right. So to me, it's just a matter of time before we start figuring out how to balance Western medicine with naturally occurring herbs and plants. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. And I, I believe that <clears throat> I wouldn't be who I am today and where I am today with this kind of information without taking psychedelics too, because it yeah. opens up room in your space in your mind for this. And it, and it allows you to dissolve your ego in ways that you can't do by yourself. And it's, it's, it's been a wonderful journey to be able to, to do that. I don't, I haven't recently, and I've, I'm kind of like comfortable where I'm at, but sometimes it's good to do that. Now there's some people around me that are doing this, um, this five MEO where they smoke. Yeah. Venomous. So uh, right now in Mexico, in, um, um, Yucatan where Bufo is the number one thing going Bufo, on around yeah. here. Like mm -hmm. I literally, I meet one person randomly a week that just did it. That's how common it is over here. Have you done it yourself? No, I haven't. I was, I'm supposed to do it in two weeks, but I'm thinking I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I've chickened out myself. I haven't gone there yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I'd much rather 
do ayahuasca than bufo, even though bufo is 20 minutes and ayahuasca is like almost eight hours, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I kind of like being with in that, or I like mushrooms personally, but like just being in that space for hours. A long period. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, I've smoked DMT and gone there in 10 minutes and then back out and it's good. Yeah. But, um, I personally enjoy mushrooms the most out of everything I've tried. Right. Least, and then know. with Bufo, man, like it's like a 20, maybe 30 minute journey. And all, I mean, I've done a lot of research on it. I know a lot of people have done it. I've heard a lot of stories, yeah. but that's just like, it's just blast going off. and yeah, just blasting off, seeing all types of things, you know, even if you have trouble, cause a lot of people don't really see things on some people don't see things on ayahuasca. It takes them some time. Even with DMT, they only see fractals. They don't go all the way. But Bufo really is just like breaking through all those barriers. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm going to go there either. I'm, I'm yeah. pretty comfortable just being who I am and maybe occasional trip here and there. We'll see. Yeah. Well, this year, like I'm on a healing journey. So I have a couple of plant medicine journeys set up for this year, but they're mushroom journeys. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good. I mean, I've even, and I don't trust LSD. I don't trust the chemist, unknown chemist, but I've even yeah. had great clarity from LSD before. Oh yeah, past. man. Yeah. Dude, I became like the mad scientist on it, uh, on LSD. <laughs> I was like writing equations of black holes in space. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got a friend who, who, who continues to take it. Uh, he doesn't live on, in Hawaii anymore, but yeah. I see his Instagram posts and they're just the weirdest, createst, create most creative paintings. He just, wow. he just involved in these like dimensional yeah, portal yeah. paintings, but I'm like, well, okay, man, I just hope he can fit back into society one day. Right. And that's what they're doing with like, um, you know, for example, um, Dr. Bronner's, are you familiar with them? The yeah, soap yeah. company, uh -huh. they I donated it. lots of money to psychedelic, um, not research, but the implementation in society. Mm -hmm. So like, I think they just donated a million dollars a couple of years ago to the implementation well, they did that for the mushrooms, right? When they came out, but a couple of years before that, they contributed a million dollars to the MDMA um, implementation because within the next two years, all actually is happening right now. I actually just invested in a company in Hawaii that oh, wow. is creating a center for microdosing and MDMA in Hawaii. Oh, wow. And they were taking seed money for investments and um, only like micro investments because they didn't want to be taken over by the corporations. So they're creating clinical centers right now and there are some of them already exist where they're using mdma with therapy and you know in a control setting to help people break through certain things within their you know mental disorders hey good hey that's good i'm glad mm -hmm. um i wanted to ask you a question and i just it's sort of a sloppy segue but i i just wanted to throw it out there because i i agree with everything you're talking about and everything but i get a lot of hate mail recently yeah. about covering ETs and space from flat earthers. And they're trying to tell me that space doesn't exist and ETs aren't real. And I'm always wanting to go where the truth takes me. I, I go wherever, you know, it goes, but I've, I've never found any truth in that narrative. And do you get those people too? I mean, do you have, how do you defend the truth, you know, to these people who seem to be persistent in their, in their perspective like that and coming with such a, uh, kind of a hatred toward even discussing these topics, which I think, you know, are the biggest picture we can really discuss going back to our ancient origins and yeah. all, all the things that make us who we are. But do you get that hate mail too? Again, various types of hate mail, <laughs> Yeah, you know, but um, not so much anymore. 
um but when the flatter thing was even more in his heyday i would i got quite a lot now mm-hmm. like maybe like once a month i'll get a comment on a picture well yeah. that's not true because earth's flat that kind yeah. of thing you know so it, it's not really it's just something that i don't even need to engage with because it's just that one comment randomly yeah. out of hundreds of comments so um but what happened with the flat earth thing for example there were actually two factions there was a flat earth society and then there was just the main people that were doing the research on it the flat earth society are the ones that they did the documentary on that they started releasing all this information having all these quacks on there that was completely um ridiculed and maybe um were really people that were worthy of almost worthy to be ridiculed because they were being very ignorant and saying silly things on tv then there was the other mainstream flat earthers well, the, uh, the alternative flat earthers that really didn't even believe that the earth was flat, but it was like some sort of Taurus field that earth was within. And it's maybe more like a rock structure and that we could be in a holographic reality. So there were the two differentiations. Um, a lot of the science that I've seen from these flat earthers um, didn't check out. However, what I think happened, because some of the things actually did kind of check out when I was originally looking at it. But I think what's happened is through us understanding the quantum world is we've now pierced through the, the veil. And as we pierce through the veil, we're realizing that a lot of the physics of what makes this reality isn't real. And a good example of that is quantum physics and Newtonian physics are paradoxical to each other. One says the other one shouldn't exist, but we know the quantum world is what creates the Newtonian world, everything above an atom, because everything above an atom is made from everything below an atom. Right. So, so that is where I feel the original doubt of this world being the sphere and all that happens. So now let's get into whether, what do I say to defend it? There is in nothing in the narrative of what flat earth says, even if they were right, that doesn't symbolize that there could be a universe outside of us with extraterrestrials. Yeah. So when they come to me and say like, what are you talking about ETs that don't exist? That's just a talking point that someone said, but there is no, they're not presenting any evidence or science to suggest that. Yeah. 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 That's that's exactly what's that. I said, that's pretty much the bottom line. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I say too, to people. Um, I don't really get involved with the argument because I don't want to waste my energy, but I get like these people like space doesn't exist. I'm like, why doesn't it exist? You know, uh, there it, it's there. And yeah, there's there. I have questions about the earth too. I mean, I have questions about what we say our satellites up there and all kinds of stuff, but yeah. I don't know. And, but I get the truth is that that flat earth world can still exist. Exactly. What you said with, with extraterrestrials and, and, and uh, a larger, more populated universe. Yeah. I mean, say that they're, they're right. And we're on this, flat or not even flat, but like a rock with like, you know, like an asteroid top of an asteroid. Yeah. What's to say that we still aren't rotating around a sun or some sort of body. And these other planets exist outside of us. Yeah. Well, I'm flying to Egypt pretty soon. And in order to go from LA to Egypt, you have to go to the North pole and then get back down. Why would Mm -hmm. we do that? If the earth was flat, that's it's simple on on just that level, I think to prove. Yeah. 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 I, I think like, there's more evidence to suggest that this reality is holographic, but even within that, this space still exists because we, it's not like we are real and it's a hologram. It's like, everything's a hologram, just like a virtual reality game. But in a virtual reality game, you can leave earth on a spaceship and go into space still because yeah. you are part of it. 
you are within that construct, you know? Totally. Yep. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing I heard recently, uh, Richard Dolan was on an interview and I, I thought I would bring this up. Um, how society is becoming more and more hive minded and more and more technology without consciousness. And he was relating that to, we are becoming more like the grays. Where do you see the grays fit in our, our, our picture here? Well, there's many types of gray ETs. Um, there's interdimensional gray ETs, but multiple inter interdimensional gray ETs that have come. Mm -hmm. And I, I will say even maybe countless experiments have happened on earth because we're such a library of DNA and experience that I will, any ET race, uh, especially if they come from a planet where they're the only sentient beings would love this experiment of earth. So then there's the, the whole Zeta reticuli theory, which is the Lyran's um, actually in the Lyran constellation, there was three planets that was inhabited. Two of them teamed up against one of them, blew up the planet. All these beings had to go under earth after millennia of going into their planet. They had to start creating a body to incarnate into because, um, their their human their hominoid bodies weren't able to sustain the fact that they weren't in a natural environment anymore right and then there's a story of that happening um in other dimensions and these grays now don't have the ability to connect to their emotions and ascend so what they're doing is they're coming to our planet and taking our dna to create a hybrid in order for them to incarnate into and then ascend right um daryl anka bashar talks about this it would be like the yael which is the first level of hybridization beings, the hybrid beings. And when people talk about the IL, they talk about it in a positive way. So I, there's all these stories about what could be happening with the grays, but there's so many of them, whether one of them's true, all of them's true, who knows now in regards to us getting to a level of non-emotion and doing that, I don't think so. I'm too spiritually, I'm too much into the spiritual realm of the evolution of consciousness. And I really feel that um, a lot of extraterrestrials, celestial beings and, you know, and beyond interdimensional beings are literally like have an, a vested interest in us staying on earth, not destroying ourselves and continuing the cycle of evolution, devolution. I don't think we're going to become a slave planet that we're going to become robotic and we're going to lose our ability to ascend or have emotions. Um, that's just all part of like, you got to think about it. We are, here's the cycle. We are right here. Mm -hmm. It's going to look really crazy. And all types of people that are just looking at things factually, right. Are going to make, um, these claims that we're screwed. Right. But then that's why you got to expand your, um, your understanding out of the linear reality to the secular reality. But then beyond that, you know, like, why are we even here? What did source want to do? Even if we became robots, Ultimately, that, okay, so if we became robots, that's bad. Because why is bad? Because we exist in duality, good and bad. What is source? Singularity. Source doesn't have duality. Good and bad exist within the singularity. Right. So even if we became robots, source doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, wow, another experience. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, so I'm not tripping about what happens to us. I'm just focusing on doing my inner work and spreading information as I'm doing it. And I just know that the more fear I put out there, the more people that pick up on that fear, the more they're going to put that out into the world. And that's how the universe works. We literally manifest the reality through our thoughts. If 
if over half the planet right now all were at peace with themselves, all didn't have mommy daddy issues, all weren't triggered from certain things, and we were able to be in a meditative state and we're all thinking about something beautiful that we could create, that's a situation where we can literally manifest an event in one moment, you know, because we're all, we've all done the work and we're all focusing on a collective reality that's for betterment of all humanity. And if we do that, the, the hologram that we exist within has the universe is one big Xerox machine. It just copies your, your most predominant thought. It doesn't judge it. It gives you more of what you put out there. So if all of us did that, we would get that reality back. So why would I go around making up claims of what could happen that I have no evidence for? Instead, why don't I just uh, provide people with tools to do the inner work so we can all get to this point where we can create that reality? Well said. Well said. I, I like that. Yeah. I don't believe either that we're going to be all doomed. I, I don't see that. And I don't see us all becoming hive minded. Humans aren't, humans aren't like that. Humans aren't, aren't people, aren't beings that can all fit in one box. There's just, no. there's no way that they can. And our consciousness is too, too strong for that to go that way. I mean, I see what he would, I see where people get that, that thought that we are, more becoming that way, but it, there's too many, there's always going to be us that are, are there that are going to, we've been that this. like, okay. So I trip out. Cause I used to think what is duality, right? This is like 2002. I was thinking this stuff. I yeah. was like, what is duality is duality, death and killing. Then I was like, no duality is separation from source. So um, the individuals that, you know, like Alexander the great, right? Which I don't know why they gave him that name. He wasn't that great actually. No. And um, <laughs> all types of other people literally made their followers walk across continents to kill people with their bare hands. <laughs> That's hive mind, bro. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're right now, half the military would quit if they had to walk and freaking go on a boat to get somewhere. Yeah. You know, That's true. So I, and we, we've seen that hive mentality and they were all super religious and more connected back then they were doing it because they felt connected to each other, connected to source. That wasn't duality. That was still devolving. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just to go back to the point, I don't, I feel that we've been at that hive mind right now. And what we're seeing like right now with this war, right? Like, um, basically a lot of what we've been told is complete BS. There's so many more facets to this and I don't even go into it because it's just too polarized. But um, whatever country you have, you have enough docile people or loving people that back in the day, 100 years ago, you could get your whole country of, with you to fight another country. Yeah. Now you can't. No. You know, right. So, yeah. That's true. Yeah. I mean, you can't get all of America to do one thing. Yeah. No way. Not even, not even like there's too many. I mean, there's a lot of division. Yeah. But um, at the same time, there's there's not that um, commitment to government anymore. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. everybody pretty much like, I would say after the eighties into the nineties, this happened even more is <clears throat> most of the world pretty much realized that all the governments are corrupt. Mm -hmm. And now even more so yeah. people are realizing, well, Neil, I think we should probably start wrapping stuff up a little bit here. Um, yeah. uh, what are some, final words you'd like to put out and let's uh, put out your website and what you do exactly with portal of ascension and mm -hmm. anything else you want to add. 
Yeah. So firstly about my website, portal to is a website. Um, please, you can go there, sign up. There's a few places I would recommend you signing up the website because you immediately get a username and password and you get access to 3000 hours of presentations on many topics uh, all together on the website. There's 10,000 hours of presentations. There's a um, hundred events on there right now, from now to the end of the year. Some examples, we're doing an ancient civilization series where we do a different eight hour event on a different ancient civilization or a continent every month. And then we have the paranormal folklore conference, the near-death experience conference, individual workshops with many amazing people, um, how to make contact with extraterrestrials workshops. So um, a lot of incredible things there. Um, April 15th, 16th, and 17th, I'm doing my annual free Portal to Ascension conference, which is online, 33 speakers, three days, two panels, seven MCs, um, just hardcore awareness, 10 hours a day, and you get unlimited replay access to everything. So check that out. But yeah, sign up to the website, you'll get access. Also, if you want to just like get daily content from us, our YouTube, we have something going on every single day on our YouTube, youtube.com slash portal to Ascension. And if you want to stay connected to us on a more personal level, Instagram at portal to Ascension as well. So those are all the platform, but yeah, get on the email list and get updates because we, for example, um, on the 11th, we're doing our first international UFO symposium where we have people from ufologists from Japan, from Korea, from China, from South America. So we're going to start doing a monthly international one because, you know, we get all this information from the U.S. Um, but now we're just trying to do something where we really bring it global and we start talking about the phenomena all over the world. Right. Awesome. So that's some stuff there. Now, in regards to what I have to say is I call myself a hopeless hopeful. You know, and and I just realized the uh, two days ago I watched a TED talk where they said humans are naturally wired to be hopeful, right? Ultimately, we all want the same thing: to love and to be loved. Unless we have some psychopathic tendencies, but that's just because we have mental illness, you know. So it's like we all want to love and be loved. A lot of the individuals that are fighting and warring against each other, they all think that they're doing the right thing on all sides, right? Yeah. What does that mean? Is that if we continue doing this inner work? And we get to a place of being not triggered from the other and can have balanced conversations. We can move together in this future and really um, be rational, but also come from the heart when we make decisions for the betterment of all the humanity. So I feel that when I see all this chaos and craziness in the world, I just feel that it's more opportunity for us to get the contrast we need in order to really realize what we want. Right now, we're going through the growing pains. All this stuff that's happening on the planet is us getting to a phase where we're working out all these issues that we've had not only from this life, but from past lives. Many traumas are being manifested and released. It's almost like we've been spinning around a black hole, and for thousands of years, we're at the end of the black hole, and now we're right at the middle of it, spinning around the singularity every single second. These experiences are just coming up over and over and over again for us to basically have the opportunity to release. So as long as we stay true to who we are and, you know, connect to ourselves and do the inner work, eventually we're going to be in a world where we can actually be the caretakers of the planet and each other. You know, we truly need to figure out how to love ourselves, but not for like what we do, right? Like I love myself because I'm an attorney. I love myself because of this, but love ourselves for the simple fact that we exist and the fact that we're on this planet and we're, and it's so beautiful. We're a fragment of source living here. So as we move forward and this, this manifests for us, I feel it's inevitable. We're going to be able to create this world. But as we see the chaos around us, 
just know that as long as we stay true to who we are and then connect with others with love, you know, we're just going to keep moving forward and create magic on earth. Very good. Very well, well well-rounded message you have. I really appreciate it. Thanks brother. Yeah. Thanks for coming on to Channel Down Radio and uh, you're welcome anytime on again. And I'll maybe I'd like to check out one of your, do you do physical conferences too sometimes? Or yeah, not so lately? where do you live again? I live in Hawaii. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, two years we, d- we didn't do any live events. Yeah. So April, 2023, we go live again in San Diego for our portal to ascension conference. Uh, people like Foster Gamble and Barbara Lamb. I don't know if you know these guys, but yeah. they're going to be there. Um, some other really amazing people, Adam Apollo. I don't know if you know him. And no. so if you're interested and want to come out, April, exactly a year from today or from like next week in San Diego. Okay. Yeah. But I'm down to, if you ever want to put something together in Hawaii, that'd be pretty cool. I'm down to do something cool. in Hawaii too. I would like yeah. to. I wish it wasn't so expensive here to get venues and stuff, but I That's have done, I heard, yeah. I, I have done some outdoor stuff that was fairly successful way back um, when I had some uh, screenings for a guy that was doing chemtrail movies and stuff. I, I uh, Okay. And it was actually pretty good because we have the outdoor climate here. And just get you ever chairs. come back to the mainland? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a traveler, even though I, I didn't get the, the V. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully in a year from now, that wouldn't even be a thing, you know? No, so. no. My wife had some intuition. She said when we were walking two months ago that in, in, in a little bit, it's not going to matter who's going to be vaccinated or not. And uh, yeah. well, um, she's right with her intuition. I think so. I think it's going. Yeah, there. I feel so too. But yeah. yeah, I would love for you to come out to the San Diego event. Keep I'd like to mind. do it. And if there's any more coming up before then, I'll let you know. Okay. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks for coming on to Chat on Radio, Neil. And, Thank you, uh, brother. All right. That was Neil Gore. Neil Gore is an unexpected guest. He reached out to me and wanted to be on the podcast. And I'm really glad that he did because sometimes it's those those connecting of worlds that makes this this world fun for, for me as a podcaster and probably you as a listener, too. At least I hope so. And uh, he's a good, well-rounded guest with a lot of great info on many things to do with human life and this entire perspective I cover on this show. Um, And I always like to come from the biggest picture, the biggest perspective, which is this Beyond Earth uh, mini-series of shows, because it it incorporates it all. And it's uh, what I want to bring you. I want to bring you this biggest picture more often, and I'm going to continue giving you this series of shows, at least for another episode or so, uh, because I'm definitely on that vibe right now, um, and I have some things to share that I want to do. So so the next few episodes will be, um, or at least the next one will be another Beyond Earth series, so Look out for that in the nearer future when I get to it. And so, but great to talk to Neil Gore about, you know, many things. Um, and like I say, I always like to bring you this biggest picture rather than the little one. Because on the last episode, my What's Happening for March 2022, I don't really like to give you a current events and just look at what's happening in the world because I have to shrink myself into a smaller person than I want to be to cover that kind of stuff. That's why I've never been that kind of a podcaster, but I feel that it's my due diligence to give you an insight of what is going on on the world, on the planet, and to understand 
at least that aspect. But like I say, I don't really like to put myself in that smaller box. And there's a, there's, there's a million shows out there like that. But still, um, that's what I had to do. And I know, and I like how Neil, um, you know, keeps it positive and doesn't believe we're going into a bleak future. Um, and I don't either. If you look at the smaller picture, yes, but the bigger picture, I believe also we're going into a better world. It's just that we have to get past this point in, in our, in our situation. Like he was talking about the Kali Yuga. Um, I agree with that. And that's kind of what we're in. We're on the upslope. So, um, we will eventually, and, and I never want to leave you feeling hopeless on this show. And I hope that I haven't in the past. There's certain episodes that I think I've felt that I have, at least in my own mind, um, because I want to give you, in, 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 I want to get you informed, but I don't want to leave you feeling shitty at the end of the, the day, you know? But, um, Another thing I'm glad that we talked about on this interview was the whole ATIP disclosure and disinfo in the UFO community because I'm glad that he had the same take because I, I, I do not trust that. And any, any CIA people or anybody who is, you know, X this or that, you can't really trust, um, especially putting out that kind of info that's been locked down for so long. This is a false narrative they're putting out there. And uh, I think it's important that we be vigilant about that info coming out of that side. I know most of you aren't falling for it anyway, but I was just happy to be able to talk to him who's deeply embedded within the UFO community uh, that knows that that is a strand of disinfo. I mean, that flying tic-tac and the other, like, uh, what do they call it? The thing that's on its side, sort of. Um, it, th that's not even that interesting looking. Go check out the videos of Seti Ranch. Check out their UFO videos. That's interesting. That's amazing. I mean, you know, um, but this this whole A-tip thing is, it, to me, uh, definitely leading somewhere not good. So we want to keep our eyes on it, but not believing what they're saying about it. That's for sure. Cause you know, suddenly they're just going to tell you about it now. I don't think so. There are there's lies on top of lies with that one. Uh, so I really enjoyed having Neil on a uh, great guest and lots, lots to get into there. Lots of great, uh, diving into ancient history. I love talking about ancient history and, you know, going into that whole, I mean, really, that, that's what we need. We're a lost civilization that doesn't know our roots. So I always love talking about ancient history. And there's so much more I probably could have said, but you only have so much time and you're only in the moment. Uh, one thing that I forgot to talk to Neil about, and I wish I would have brought up as soon as I stopped the recording button, I was like, oh, yeah, Neil's into hip hop. Well, Neil is, is, uh, is a hip hop artist. So this year he is releasing an album. So, um, keep your eyes open for that. And, uh, you know, I, I like, you know, I, I love hip hop and I still have a love for it. I'm a doing it. I mean, since, since 1991, I've been writing rhymes, but I, I could say for the last seven to eight years, I've been inactive. And, um, 
that's just because I, I, uh, well, I don't really have the space in my life for it. So where you hear it of, or any part of me of that is here on the show. So I'll give you a freestyle here and there, or I'll, I'll put, you know, uh, on a, a song or maybe once in a while, you'll, you'll hear me throughout the, the entire podcast, uh, career of mine putting in music, you know, a little freestyle, a little bit of this and that. So anyway, um, uh, maybe you'll hear here and there future songs that I actually write again with a good beat and stuff, but it's been a long time since I put anything out and, uh, well, I, I want to, you know, it's never, it's always in me, even though I haven't been active for seven to eight years, it's still here in me and, I'll always love it, and I'll always it'll always be a part of me. So you will hear things here on this show that maybe in the future. And speaking of that, I wanted to show you something that I totally forgot about. So um, this was before 9-11, and we had to hurry up and do a CD for a concert. We had to make, uh, you know, it was an EP, and it was like, we had like, five months. Uh, yeah, I think we had like five months notice. So, it, it, you know, it was, a, it had to be, in a, you know, in a hurry. So I, I, I don't really share it with you before because I thought, well, um, it's, you know, not my best, but how prophetic it really was right before 9-11. I should have showed this, showed you this on my 9-11 show of the 20th anniversary, but like I said, I forgot about this song, so I'm, just, I'm not going to play you the whole song because I didn't get permission from the other artists, but I'll just show you my verse in this song, and you'll see how prophetic it is. And this was like August of 2001. We did this show. In fact, I think maybe the, the concert might have been early September of that year, although I don't remember exactly. Uh, but it's just crazy how... Um, uh, on the uh, pulse of it, I didn't even know I was. So check it out. Still upon the overgrown mama beds for their environment to work and, and adapt to their needs. The population breeds, technology increased. People sweep the globe in the multitudes. More intelligent, they build up concrete freeways and bridges. This bottled out reaches created systems and develop the potential to damage and dismantle the surface, the dirt trees, all heartbeats and habitats, all adversity at the push of a button. Both the earth pieces of fragments, times darken. Humans got hope. Life is bargain, so consumers can profit. People moving around, disillusioned and constant Evil rulers influence their computers, we're dominant Total confusion, sick albany size artworks Take sharp turns from the dead reaches Uses in concept to government officials Opinions convicted the nuclear missiles will launch up And the spots hit Cause ripples, skyscrapers, topple pillars of smoke Vibrations crumble, parking jungles, pavement explodes Taking control We're the new world order soldiers with the notions To program computer chips into the skin of the humans that remain They were taken in by crooked men and turned into lucrative slaves And as the side of this, the gods got enraged to face the earth with electricity, this has full of iniquity, bubbly, melting hot and liquidy between crater walls and the last fatal blow. The evil pay the toll for trying to take control. The planet collapses, blown off its axis. It exists as an asteroid, remnants and ashes. It's what you can glance at, but this legend is a classic. Set amongst the galaxies. So, did you hear that? Skyscrapers toppled pillars of smoke. So, <clears throat> I just wanted to write something cool for an end of the world song that we were making. <clears throat> and um, it came out like that and happened to be just two weeks before 
9-11 or three weeks or I don't know, somewhere around there. So it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, what hip hop is a very powerful, powerful music that as um, a lot of potential as the the most lyrically talented music there is out there. So anyway, I just want to show you that. Now, if you have a subject on this show that you would like me to cover or a guest that you would like to have me on, always re write me at peoplebeyondthis at gmail.com or um, you can leave me a voicemail on the website, chanit.radio.com. So, yeah, that, that's something you can do. Just anything you want me to cover, let me know because I'm definitely um, definitely uh, wanting to cover what, what you want too, you know. And that's coming up. So also this year, um, I, I mentioned on the show, I'm going to Egypt soon, and uh, that's going to be a trip of mine. I'm going to check out, you know, the the ancient past firsthand. I, I, I'm hoping, even though um, it's not looking great to travel places without the, well, the without the jab, but uh, I found that I can travel most places, and I'm hoping to be able to see a lot of the ancient megalithic sites myself. Per personally going up to them and what that's going to do it's it's going to inspire me more to talk to you about it and and it those are some of the most interesting topics on the planet is these ancient sites that we just don't know anything about um and obviously uh mainstream archaeology is not telling us uh the right stuff about also um this I mentioned on the last show, and I'm just going to say it again, I'm going to be re-releasing some episodes on the show. I mean, you know, I got nearly nine years of, of material here that most people never go back into and, and listen to. And it's just that, that thing that people don't do is they don't bother to go check out someone's early stuff just because they think the newest is the best. That's not always the case. And so I'm, I'm going to be doing Retro Relevance. These are shows that are still relevant now that I did possibly years ago, possibly a long time ago, and they're going to um, be re-released in a way that, you know, they're good for right now. So that way, if you have never heard these shows, uh, you'll hear them. And I'm mainly talking to the new listeners. Those of you who've been with me for a long time, you already know these, but it might be a nice, friendly reminder, so that'll be good. On this interview also, I mentioned with Neil Gore, the flat earth thing. And listen, I don't care what shape you think the earth is. That's that's fine. We don't need to argue about something we don't really know about, though. And the reason why I went on that is because of some of the hate mail that I have gotten in the last month or two or three of people that are trying to argue and say that, you know, there, there's no space. And, you know, I mean, how do, how do you know? And if you don't know, if you know, then show me something. Don't just tell me that I'm spreading disinfo because I'm talking about space. Because space exists. Sorry, it is. It's there. Um, and really, uh, I feel like, you know, there is the flat earth people that are like honestly looking for true answers. Fine. I, I have questions too. But there's that really aggressive approach to, for people to say, hey, that's, 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 uh, it's not around earth and all that. You know, what does it really matter at the end of the day? I'm still not convinced on that. 
Um, and I think most of this was brought in to intentionally divide the truth community even more. And really, what is that doing at the end of the day? It's only making it harder for all of us to get together and talk about the same things, you know? Um, and so I, I just, I'm just, uh, I just wanted to put it out there, you know? Um, and I really think it was brought in by the dark side to put in to get us to argue over what, what shape the fucking earth is. It's, it's, it's the earth, you know? And the last thing I want to cover here on the show uh, is just that um, I mentioned to Neil about I've been seeing some UFOs in the last few days. Yesterday I saw one, and this this is really strange stuff. Um, so I went um, and and shared it with somebody who's very mainstream, but anyway. Uh, they sent me um, these this link to these giant surveillance balloons. And it possibly could have been a giant surveillance balloon. I have my questions, though, on this. Because as I was looking at it from the ground, I got a high-power camera and looked into it. And it was definitely like this changing energy type thing. And I'm not really sure. But if it was in the wind, it wouldn't be stationary. It was stationary for like two hours. So... I looked into the technology a little bit, and I guess they can be stationary, so I'm not saying it was a UFO, but here's the trippy part about it. So um, I shared with you guys on this show about two months ago that I saw a UFO that was blinking at me, and uh, it turns out other people actually did see it, so I'm happy that I wasn't the only person that actually saw it, and if you ha if you want to know what I'm talking about further, go check out my YouTube channel, Truth Filled Trajectory, and you can see the latest video is a UFO. Uh, it's it's a you know what I saw. So anyway, apparently on the island of Kauai, which is the next island over, there was um, fighter jets that were uh, sent up to check out what it was because they it was invading the airspace, and we got zero info on it, but it was actually on the news, and they said it was a weather balloon. But that's been always the excuse, hasn't it? Uh, the Roswell incident, weather balloon, you know? So, I don't know. I have conflicting views on this at the moment. So, as that can't explain everything I've seen lately. I've seen a UFO that flashed at us. It came right over our heads. It was like a giant, like a, like a star, basically. And that actually flashed at us and I've been flashed at a few times lately and it was different than these things and I've seen lately white looks like the tic-tac and the that they're trying to show us way up high in the sky going by so that is definitely not a balloon and why would they even scramble f-22s for something as dumb as a weather balloon so Something is in our airspace lately, and I'm not sure what it is. And I feel like I'll have to do a truth-filled trajectory video on it when I have the time to gather all this info and kind of put it together. And I'm still on the hunt for the answer, but it's certainly... Um, and, there, and another person got it on a, on a better high-powered camera, and it was actually changing color. Do weather balloons change color? Do surveillance balloons change color? I don't know, you know, and there's a lot we just don't know. So I'm going to just leave it at that.
that I don't know. But that's pretty much it for this episode. Um, getting cabin fever. I want to get out and do some things. But um, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you enjoy this show, help support the show. And, you know, it's just like supporting anybody else you like. Put a tip in the jar on the website. But there are other ways you can support the show. You can buy one of my albums. Or you can also um, simply spread the word. Show people you like that know this, that want to know this information, this show. Um, this show will, the more the audience grows, the more the audience knows. And so, um, and that means the knowledge that's been hidden from them, you know, if you like me as a host. And uh, subscribe on things to this show, write reviews. I told you about my, my uh, iTunes reviews got wiped out except for 16 i had like 97 on there or something so you know uh i don't know why but attacks i guess that uh, means it must be somewhere over the target so yeah write reviews um tell your friends and be a warrior not a warrior much love you guys chant it down